Listen, it's so important when you create your lean canvas plan that you start with the problem, then go with the solution. Because there's no way you know the solution if you don't first know the problem. A lot of new business owners make this big mistake where they start off they're like, man, I'm gonna sell on Amazon or man, we're gonna come out with the coolest tea in the world. But they actually don't know their customer. Why? Because they don't know their problem. However, most businesses, when they launch something, there's already competitors in that market. So you have to give me a reason to choose you over your competition. You're listening to the Kniep and It Real Jodcast. This is your host, Seth Kniep. Good afternoon, or whatever time it is for you in this amazing world. This is Seth Kniep, Kniep and It Real. I want to welcome you back to the Jodcast. You know, people say, well, Seth, why do you call it a Jodcast? Well, Jod stands for just one dime. I was broke, I was $24,000 in debt. I hated my corporate lifestyle job, the nine to five death by paycheck cycle. I was tired of being called by my wife when standing at a grocery store and her debit card would be declined because we didn't have enough money and I sucked at managing money. So I decided to do something different and I built my wealth starting with a single dime, which means you can too. I had no previous knowledge on running a business. I had no previous experience on online sales, selling an Amazon real estate, anything like that. I just started, I moved to action, I failed my way into success, and there's no reason you can't as well. Today I'm going to break down how to build a business plan. How do I create a business plan? And the model I'm going to use is one that is not often spoken of today. If you go back into into the traditional world of business plans, the vast majority of them are like 20, 30, 40, 50 pages of tons of data that no one touches. You write it up for investors and then that's it. No one looks at it again. No one edits it. And it was a big fat waste of time. In fact, if you can't get your business plan down onto one page, chances are you're wasting your time. Well, today, using what is called the Lean Canvas model, a template created by Ash Maria, which helps you deconstruct, I'm quoting now, your idea into its key assumptions, and it is adapted from Alex Osterwalder's business model canvas and optimized for Lean Startups. What it does is it replaces the elaborate, wordy, hefty, boring as heck business plan with a single page model. And today I'm going to show you exactly how to do it. In fact, we just did this for just one dime. Our president came in and he took the entire team through the lean canvas model. And now I'm doing the same thing for my own brand as Seth Kniep, Kniep and It Real. Here's the challenge in creating a business plan. You have so many options so many different customer types, so many different product ideas. You have to narrow it down and say no to a thousand things and yes to just a few things if you want it to succeed. So now we will begin. The first step is you need to define the problem. What is the problem that your future customers or current customers are encountering? And you need to be able to list the one to three top problems for them. You must define that. If you're trying to be everything to everyone, you won't get anywhere. 
you need to have a niche. You must focus on the niche. It's like how, oh, what's his name? Brock, um, Brock Johnson. He started his own Instagram channel. And for a while, he just had a few, you know, a couple thousand, maybe a few hundred followers. He posted stuff about football and he decided and said, I'm just going to focus on teaching people how to build their Instagram following. When he did that, he lost a lot of followers for a while. And for some people that would leave them destitute, make them feel like they're doing something wrong. But as a result, he began to build up his following because now people had a reason to go to his niche. What was the problem? How do I grow an Instagram account? That's all he does. And as a result, he's doing extremely well. Well, the same is true for your business plan. You need to define what is the problem. For example, let's pretend that you have a product that saves trees. Your product is a very climate oriented um, save the tree type mission. And you want to help customers who want to save trees, but they don't have good options. You need to go deeper than that and find out why do they want to save these trees? What is the reason? What's the motivation? It's kind of like when you launch a new product in Amazon and you're just launching it because other people are selling it. Well, heck, if other people like the candle, well, why can't I do one too? But you have to ask the question, well, why? Am I trying to create an ambience? Is it supposed to be a pirate themed candle? Is it actually for light when it's dark? What is the purpose? What is the problem I'm trying to solve? You see, here's how it works. The better you understand your customer, the better you can create a solution. And as a result, you build a business around that. Once you've defined the problem and keep in mind, it needs to be very specific. Customers are struggling with what? How to dry quickly after getting out of a pool how to manufacture a microphone ideal for podcasting. You want to get specific, not just I'm going to make any microphone. My customer are podcasters. We are going to make the very best. Let me just give you guys a quick example of this that I think is fascinating. I began to buy this product that tastes like mud in water. In fact, they call it mud water. And one of their brands is F-U-C-K coffee. The idea is quit being addicted to caffeine, get off of caffeine, get rid of those toxins that come with a lot of caffeine and a lot of coffee, especially if it has mold and start drinking mushroom drink. Now, mushroom drink, mushroom tea is not something new. It's been around for years, but this one particular company has done such a fantastic job that they put people on subscriptions. So it's constant residual income. And what do they do? They're identifying with the customer who is tired of the achiness and the afternoon lulls that coffee creates, as well as the mental addiction, as well as the headaches that happen and the strange perspiration if you don't have coffee every couple hours for those who are coffee addicts. Therefore, it is addressing people who are tired of coffee and giving them a better alternative. See, that's very, very specific. That's a problem they are trying to solve. They're not just saying, hey, we got great mushroom tea. They're actually solving a problem for people with headaches and achy joints in the afternoons with the lulls that come with that. The second step is you create what is called a solution. How will you solve this problem? For example, Just One Dime is very narrowed and specific on what we do. We want to help people develop personal freedom. But Seth, I thought Just One Dime was just about how teaching people how to sell on Amazon. That is a part of it, yes, but we also teach how to do real estate. We soon will also be teaching how to market and do other things. So what is the real goal of someone who comes to Just One Dime? They want to learn freedom. They want to learn how to live a life 
untethered by the nine to five, free of the burdens and obstacles of living the typical life that most people just buy into because they were told they're supposed to go to college and get a degree and then spend the next 50 years of their life paying off the debt while working for a job that never turned out to be what they dreamed of in the first place. No one wants to live that kind of life. So that is our customer. We want to help people break free from the chains that corporocracy has created in this world. And by the way, I'm not anti-corporate. I'm anti the idea that you can't go create a solution for yourself and just accepting the system or waiting for the government to come in and save the day, which ain't gonna happen. That is the solution. We help create personal freedom. Part of that is making money so that you have time to do the things you love with the people you love. Listen, it's so important when you create your lean canvas plan that you start with the problem, then go with the solution because there's no way you know the solution if you don't first know the problem. A lot of new business owners make this big mistake where they start off, they're like, man, I'm gonna sell on Amazon, or man, we're gonna come out with the coolest tea in the world, but they actually don't know their customer. Why? Because they don't know their problem. Let me put it this way. If you know someone's pain, you can always sell them a solution, but you cannot sell a solution to someone who doesn't have pain. How? quickly are you able to get someone to drink a glass of water who is no thirst you must first know their thirst then you can provide that solution so you begin with the problem and for just one dime people looking for freedom people trying to break away from the nine to five then you create a solution we teach you how to make money that creates freedom to do the things you love with the people you love the third step is figure out key metrics how are you going to measure your success now if you have metrics, you have a way of judging your business. You need to be able to judge your business and say, it's doing well here, it's not doing well here. But if you just have a feeling, oh, we're making a lot of money, it means we're doing great. Not necessarily. Oh, well, you know, a lot of people like us, so we're doing great. Not necessarily. You need to be able to judge it by metrics. And metrics are simply ways to measure success. For example, we are growing 4% profit year over year. That is a way to judge success. Or our revenue is doubling every three months. That's a judge of success. Or our CSAT, though when we collect feedback on our customers, we have a 97% CSAT happiness rate. That is another way to judge your success. So you need to decide how do I judge the success, the metrics of my business? And you use those to get an honest look at how it's progressing. This is not something you want to be half-ass about. You need to be thorough because the more thorough you are, the easier it is to see your progress and also to catch issues before they tank your business because there always will be those threats as well. So first you define the problem. Second, you find the solution. Third, you figure out key metrics. And number four, you create what is called a unique value proposition. The reason I love this part so much is because it is a single, clear, compelling message that states why you are different and worth paying attention to. Why would I choose your product over the competitors on Amazon? Why would I buy the product on your Shopify e-commerce website instead of Bobby McGee's who's selling practically the same thing? This is one of the hardest pieces because you realize you can't just be like everyone else. People don't go buy a product just because it's got good reviews. They're looking for something that makes it stand out. Now, granted, sometimes if it has 2,000 reviews and the competitor has two, you're probably more likely to buy the one with 2,000. That does make it stand out, but that's not entirely scalable or sustainable because at some point this competitor might get more reviews than you. So you have to ask what makes you unique? 
In other words, when you enter a market, 99 times out of 100, you're always gonna have competitors. If you enter a market so blue water and so fresh that there are no competitors, you have a massive opportunity and you also have a massive risk. Because if no one else has done this before, like floss, people came out with floss the first time, no one else had done it before, you don't know if the money you invested is actually going to be paid back and then make a profit. So it's greater risk, but also greater opportunity because if you're first to market, that's a huge advantage. However, most businesses, when they launch something, there's already competitors in that market. So you have to give me a reason to choose you over your competition. You know, for just one dime, something that makes us stand out is my story. As, as uh, narcissistic as that sounds, it is. Like, it's, it's unique. I have a crazy cool story because I started with a single dime. I was destitute. I was depressed. I was losing sleep. I was addicted to coffee. And I had to make a choice to change things. But that's not enough. Story's helpful. What about the product itself? What makes it unique? Something that makes us unique is in every lesson in just one dime, you have not only a video, you have not only a synopsis with key points like a recap of the video, you not only have slides that accompany the video, you not only have a quiz, but you have a community one-to-ones in live group coaching. Like it's extremely thorough, plus subtitles on the video so that you can make sure you're seeing and hearing what's going on. In other words, when we built Just When I'm Training, we decided that we're going to help people learn through various senses, not just through the eyes, not just through the ears, but also through action. Well, you can't force someone to do something, then how do you do that? Constantly in our videos, we say you must take action as you go. So it's the thoroughness of Just One Dime that makes it stand out combined with the co-founder myself story that makes it unique and it also gives hope, Just One Dime. Look, if Seth started with a single dime, there is no reason on God's earth you can't as well. There's no reason you can't reach your goals. You see that? So you must ask the question, what makes you unique? And in a single statement, you need to be able to say that. We coach people how to build Amazon businesses better than anyone else on the planet because we give people hope, our training is thorough, and it is the most step-by-step detailed. Boom. That's a unique value proposition. Now, there's always a challenge here because someone is going to come along, they're going to study what you do, and they're going to either copy you or do better than you do. In other words, this gets into the next step, which is unfair advantage, something that cannot easily be bought or copied. If another company has 10 times the money you do, why can't they pay to get the same excellence of the product? Let's just say you're selling rum glasses, for example, with world maps on them. I love these glasses, by the way. Why can't they sell the same thing? What makes you unique? And this goes back to your company's story. It is hard to mimic a story because it's no one but yours. No one can say, oh, well, they have this story. Well, we have a cool story too. It's the same. Theirs has to be different. Otherwise, it's obviously not true. That's one takeaway. That's one unfair advantage you have. But that's hard. That's a long road because this is where you're building a brand. And to build a brand, people over time, not immediately, have to connect and pick up bits and pieces and realize, whoa, this company's different. They're unique. It could be in how you donate to charities. Again, is that copyable? Yes. But maybe you're filling a niche or particular charities in a way that no one else is. Look, if you're selling glasses, perhaps you're donating to charities that give water to people in need. If you're selling toys for kids, perhaps you're donating to charities that fight against child sex slavery. You see how they're connected? You're serving the families, but you're also fighting against evils done against parents and their children. 
This is one of the hardest ones because apart from your own personality or your own story brand, to have an unfair advantage is very vague. And most of the time, if you're really honest, most of the time, competitors can copy or buy what you do. They have enough money or enough expertise to achieve the same and make themselves now do what you're doing. And all of a sudden you no longer stand out. And that's why we focus so much on the brand because the story of the brand is the hardest. No one in the world today is going to be able to significantly compete against Nike when it comes to the Just Do It logo. It took years to get there, but it just stands on its own. If someone else says like, let's do it or something, it, it doesn't work. It just sounds like a copycat now, you see? So they're gonna have to build their own brand story. That's why we focus so much on building a brand. And understand, you don't have to be an extroverted person who's happy to jump in front of a camera and be super transparent about his crazy life like I am. People may not have any idea who you are, perfectly fine, as long as you are meeting a need. The story of your brand does not have to be your personal story as it was for mine with just one dime. So let me recap. First, you find what is the problem? Number two, what is the solution? Number three, what are the key metrics? How do I measure the success of our brand over time? Number four, what is the unique value proposition? What specifically in a compelling message do we do that makes people wanna to listen to us? And number five, what's our unfair advantage? What can we do better than anyone else that is really hard or difficult to be copied or bought? Number six is channels. List your path to customers, inbound or outbound. How are you going to reach them? Is it gonna be through YouTube channels? Is it gonna be through Instagram? Is it gonna be strictly on Amazon's platform? Will it be through a new funnel you create using like Clubhouse, a newer social media platform? How are you going to reach them? Are you gonna use ads with funnels? There has to be a way where you create a matchmaker scenario. Look, here you have a product and here you have a customer. Whenever shall the two meet? The matchmaker, what's the matchmaker? The channel that causes them to meet so that they will buy your product. You have to figure out how am I going to get their attention? Now, the key here is not to come up with a super elaborate marketing plan. That would be the old days of building business plans. That's not what you need. What you need is to understand where would my product make the most sense? For example, if you are selling a clothing product line, something my wife and I have done multiple times, one of the best channels for that is Instagram because it's very visual. Clubhouse wouldn't really work because that's audio. And I'm not talking about the project management tool that just recently changed their name because they were so tired of people mistaking them for the social media app. It would be really weird to try to sell shirts on an app where you can only hear but not see. You need an application, a platform that's visual. Maybe YouTube, but for the many Bluetooth speakers that we have launched, we have used YouTube channels like Unbox Therapy who open products and display them and they either get paid to do it or they get free products to do a giveaway with their audience, that makes sense for something more technical because you're not just seeing it, but you're seeing how it works. It's very uh, do-it-yourself-ish, you see? Once you understand the problem, going back to the first step, it's a lot easier to understand, okay, well, what platform would best illustrate or demonstrate or showcase my product? And here's what's really cool. You're also going to find out where your customers are in other words, if you're selling clothing, but a lot of your customers aren't on Instagram, that would make no sense. You need to be looking at some other alternative app. Maybe a lot of your customers are on TikTok. Therefore, you need to find a way, how do I feature my product on TikTok? There are a lot of coaches who are on TikTok now and they do some funny, cool dance type stuff, 
giving value as they go because it respects the nuances of that platform. This is what I mean by channels, a channel that would naturally make sense for your product, so it's very easily featured, but also where your customers already are. Well, Seth, how do I know where those customers are? Go get on the app. You wanna hear about politics? Get on Twitter. You wanna hear about people's personal lifestyle? Get on Instagram. You wanna learn how to do something or to watch gamers? Go to YouTube. You see where I'm going with this? You have to make sure it makes sense. And once you do, you can focus on that. And by the way, I don't recommend you try to cover as many social media apps as possible. That's extremely difficult, especially if you're just starting out. Just pick one or two and decide how am I gonna reach them? You know, Facebook today is primarily people in their 40s up to their 60s. So if you're trying to reach a younger audience, I would not recommend Facebook. But let's say you sell insurance plans. Facebook is probably a great place to build a community and start running Facebook ads to feature the insurance plans that you sell. What is the problem? People who are getting up there in life, feeling insecure about their long-term medical insurance. Or maybe you sell retirement plans. That would even make more sense for an elderly crowd or a crowd of people who are getting up there in age and they're reaching the retirement stage of life. You see how that works. The next part is also one of my favorites because this is where you define who your customer is. You should not think of your customer as customers, but customer. You've probably heard me say Bobby McGee and Lucy Pickleberry. You'll meet them someday. When I talk about them, they are a customer. I know what they look like. I know how old they are. I know where they like to go during the weekend. I know what kind of apps they use. I know all these things. You must know your customer. The better you know your customer, the better you can market to them. Blue Ocean Strategy talks about how to make sure you're differentiating yourself from the competition. It's an incredible book. It's boring, but it's well-written. That doesn't even make sense, does it? Well, the content's good, I'll say that. They surveyed a ton of companies and came to the conclusion that the majority of companies who fail are companies who failed to market. The world doesn't care how great a product you have if you don't have a way of persuading them you have a great product. You have to market. But to market, you need to know who is your market. And my friends, that's customer segments. List your target customers and users. Who are they? Now, at first, this is gonna be difficult because you're gonna go, well, I don't know, I just started. That's fine. Go onto these social media apps and start researching what age, gender, interest type people, married or not, kids or not, are talking about the kind of product or venting about the kind of problems that your product solves on these applications. And all of a sudden, like I'll just give you an example, the majority of our Instagram followers are between 20, 25 and 34. So we're reaching sort of a younger, not middle-aged life yet people. But on YouTube, it's 10 years older than that. So it starts closer to 35 up to 45, 50 and 60, see? So you gotta start somewhere, just start researching online. It's amazing in one hour, I guarantee you, you should at least come up with three demographics of your future customer. But Seth, what if I get it wrong? It's okay. This is part of building a business. When you build a business, you have to be okay with a certain level of ambiguity. There are certain things you don't know, you have some evidence for, a lot of it is anecdotal, but you still make a decision because that's what you got. And you don't know until you start. I'll give you an example. For those of you guys who follow us on YouTube Just One Dime, we did a test. Many of you guys are aware of this test. <laughs> we did something called shorts. Now shorts is a new feature, kind of new, on YouTube that allows you to put a 60 second portrait style video of something really short. So we decided let's throw a little entertainment into our tutorials just for fun, connect with the audience, give them a reason to laugh and see how it goes. So we worked really hard and we came out with 
I believe we published four of them and we watched them very closely and they didn't perform well at all. Some of our least liked videos were these short. Now, some people liked them, that's great. But you have to ask the question for our customer, is this really giving them what they're looking for? And it helped us to realize and remind us that people are coming to the Just When I'm YouTube channel primarily to learn how to sell on Amazon. If that is the case, then doing these entertainment videos, even though it's related, it's not actually giving direct values, just more entertainment. This is not our audience. So guess what we did? We unlisted those videos and we stopped. It was a test. My point is sometimes you will have to test something before you know. We didn't know. In that situation, there was no way to know for sure how they would do, so we did a test. So it's okay if you don't know everything now, but at least come up with a few demographics. What's their age range? What's their gender? What are their interests? What are their biggest problems? What applications are they on? And write these down. These are called customer segments. Here's what's so cool. You can do this in a day. If you set aside a Saturday, you could probably knock this out in a day. And it's really fun to do if you have a business partner, a spouse, a friend who's gonna do it with you or people who are in the same industry. And you literally, you're creating a business plan, except we call it Lean Canvas, thanks to the people who uh, forged the paths before us. Now, there are two more. The next one is cost structure. This is where you list your fixed and your variable costs. Now, a fixed cost would be something like, we are leasing an office. We need the office to work. So we're going to be there and that's a fixed cost. It's fixed. It's the same every month. Another example might be the electricity you pay or the cell phone bill for the phone you use for your business or the internet bill. A variable cost would be something different such as marketing. You know, in one week you might spend a few hundred, the next week a few thousand to market to your customer. It's going to go up and down based on the market but you wanna start with something. Now, this is a hard one to do at the very beginning unless you've already been running a business. So just start with what you know, okay? So you might have, have not have any idea on how much it's gonna cost you to run Facebook ads. That's perfectly fine. Don't worry about it yet. Just write down what you do know you need to do. Well, let's see. I need internet, okay, got it. I need a cell phone, yep, got it. Like, start listing what you do know. And I'm talking about costs specifically tied to your business. I'm not talking about personal stuff just your business. Once you know that, you are now evaluating your risk. You're starting to think defensively. Up to this point, we've been thinking offensively. We're on offense. How do we get this in the market? Who is our customer? But you also must know money going out of your business to protect you from bankruptcy and failure and your business and brand tanking. So you got to know your costs. And this is going to be one of the most vague ones at the beginning. If you've already been running a business, super easy to do. If you've been keeping good tracks of your finances, literally print up your P&L sheet and looked at your fixed costs, your variable, write them down. This is where you list your sources of revenue. Where's my revenue going to come from? Is it going to come from people buying a membership? Kind of like the mud water I told you about. It's a subscription. Is it going to be one-time costs? They purchased my rum mug. What is it going to be? understand all your revenue streams. You might launch a product on Amazon, in there have a product insert card where you collect their email by giving them something of great value called a lead magnet, then later market to them to go to your Shopify store where you sell a complimentary product or a new product. See, those are two different revenue streams, Shopify and Amazon. If you also coach as we do, you need to think that through. Are you doing one-time one-to-one coaching calls? That's a revenue stream. Are people paying for a membership or a course? That's another revenue stream. Is it a subscription or one-time? You gotta figure this out. Understand when you write this down, this is not engraved in gold. This is more like sketched with a pencil. 
This is going to give you a guideline to start building your business so you can move to action quickly. Since day one of being an entrepreneur, which I didn't start till like my mid thirties, I have embraced this concept and it has served me so well. Move to action quickly. Do not wait. As you move to action, you're going to stumble. You're going to make mistakes and those become the greatest gifts because they teach you what to do and what not to do. And they increase your resilience and make you stronger. I'm going to give you the, the website where I found the Lean Canvas. Thanks to Eric, our president, who introduced this to us. It is called leanstack.com slash lean canvas. There's a lot of lean there. Again, leanstack.com slash lean canvas. We'll include it in the link below as well. This is Seth Keep It Real. Hope you enjoyed this today. If you would like to get more content like this and there are particular topics, you're like, man, Seth, could you please talk about this? Email me, seth at jod.com. I will read your email and I will respond. And you have an awesome day.